0: I'm Ruma Tenbrink, and welcome to the Children's Bedtime Stories podcast for adults. I am so excited to be reading to you my first book this evening. I really hope you enjoy this, and I hope it helps you fall asleep in a beautiful slumber and take you to a faraway land. Thank you so, so much for listening. World-renowned musician, environmentalist, and humanitarian, Dave Matthews, in collaboration with popular children's book author, Cleet Barrett-Smith, has conjured an exciting and poignant fantasy about a girl who must confront her past mistakes before she can save her peaceful forest community from a gigantic threat. I am honored to read to you, If We Were Giants, Little Voices Can Have a Huge Impact. Let joy begin as we read Part 1, The Volcano. Part 1, The Volcano, Chapter 5 Kira lifted the top off the great wicker basket, climbed inside and got down on her knees, then carefully eased the lid back into place. Long ago, she had made a small hole in the basket at eye level, and through it she gazed out at the little grove of banyan trees in the center of the courtyard. And she waited. She felt a twinge of guilt about eavesdropping, but it quickly passed. After all, if her parents didn't want her to listen in on their private conversations, then they shouldn't have them in the same place every time. And they shouldn't be hiding important things from her anyway. She understood the need to have secrets around Tico, especially if they were about things that affected the whole community. He wouldn't understand, and he might share them with his group of friends. But Kira was an official helper now. She had been outside four different times. Some day she would be entrusted with keeping her people safe by spreading stories about the fire demons, and also with keeping the lore and legends of Ziduan history alive, just like her father. She had worked hard and deserved to hear about anything that was going on. Just when her legs had started to cramp, her parents finally appeared, brushing aside the bamboo curtain at the back entrance to the family hut. Kira saw Maja scan the courtyard for anyone who might be about, but at this time of the evening, everyone had likely finished up dinner and was now busy with festival preparations down in the village square. Luckily, Maja didn't think it necessary to check inside the wicker basket. So, Taro said, there were more sightings? In just the three weeks we were gone? Kira watched through the little hole as her mother nodded. Once on the steppe, over on the southeastern side, a group of them driving cattle, and again a few days later near the river. We can't be certain, of course, but it looked like they were surveying a good spot for a bridge, if you can imagine that. Then a third time, only the day before you got home. There were three of them, and it looked... She took a shaky breath. It looked like a scouting party of some sort, poking around, spying, writing on a large parchment, like they were making a map. Dijana brushed away a tear with the sleeve of her robe. Paja held her close. Then she started again in a stronger voice. Taro, that last one was the worst. I was expecting your return at any moment and they were so near the trail you always take. When I got the report, I was certain you and Kira were going to run right into them. I'm sorry you were worried, my love. Does anyone else know about the sightings? Dejana shook her head. The watchers report directly to the elder council. They are sworn to secrecy. Kira wondered what she could be talking about. Maja was a helper for the council, and so most of the secrets of the tribe were shared with her. In just a few years, Jana would be eligible to be elected to an official position on the council itself, and then she would know everything there was to know about Zidu. It wasn't usually big news when people were spotted in the vicinity. Sometimes outsiders wandered by the volcano as a matter of course. It was to be expected, and that was the job of the watchers, to track their movements and let the council know when they had safely passed. So why were her parents so worried now that... And the watchers were sure it was them? Dijana scoffed. With the way they look, could they be mistaken for anything else? Plus, they're so big and clumsy and loud. Trust me, the watchers are certain. Taro shook his head slowly, worry lines creasing his face. In the last village we were in, Lukui, a man was spreading terrible stories about them. They fit with what we've been hearing for months now. He called them the takers. Kira put a hand over her mouth to smother a gasp. The takers were real? Why hadn't Paja told her when she'd asked about them? Dejana harumphed. Takers. <laughs> A perfect name for them. And there's more. This man said that. Taro took a deep breath. <sighs> he said that they had been spotted in Nafaloo. Dijana's eyes went wide and her hand covered her heart. So close? Taro nodded. What are we going to do? We are Zidu. We continue as we always have. I spread the stories and our people stay safely out of sight. But Taro, how long can that last? How long until we realize we may have to defend ourselves? Just like everyone else on Maja Earth who has something worth fighting for. Kira had to stifle another gasp. Fighting? It was like hearing Maja use a profanity. Her father looked as surprised as Kira felt. Surely there is not talk on the council of war. Of course there is, Dejana whispered fiercely. Even though no one else was in the courtyard, she pulled out of her husband's embrace. What we have here is special, Taro. You have traveled, so you know this better than anyone. But fighting goes against everything our people believe in. He threw his hands into the air. If we fight we'll no longer have what we've built here. All would be lost even if we won. Kira was chewing on her lips so hard she could taste blood. She wasn't sure what was more unsettling. This talk of fighting and the takers or seeing her parents disagree so strongly. Have you ever considered, Taro, that there will come a time when we don't have a choice in the matter? Of course I have, but that doesn't mean... How many generations do you imagine we'll live here in peace undiscovered? Nothing lasts forever. Zidu must adapt in order to survive. Taro's shoulders slumped, but at what cost? Dijana turned and strode to the porch, then looked back at her husband. I don't want our homes, our children to be taken. And if I have any voice on the council, I will not allow it. She stormed into the hut, the bamboo curtain clacking in her wake. Kira had never seen Taro so sad. She hadn't given much thought to his feelings before, to be honest. But at that moment, she saw him as a whole person, not just her father. And he had a look of such utter defeat on his face. It broke her heart. Tara walked slowly into the hut, and that's when Kira heard Maja calling her name. Not good. She had to get inside without being discovered back here. Kira stood too quickly, and a flare of pain shot through her cramped legs in protest. The wicker basket fell over, and Kira rolled out into the dust, she staggered up, set the basket right, and ran around the hut to the front porch. Kira! I'm right here, Maja! Jana pulled her hair back and quickly tied it in place, then straightened her robes. All business. I have a council meeting to attend. Your father is going to see if he can assist with any festival preparations, and I will need to join him when I'm free. You will have to watch Tiko until we get back. Yes, Maja. She didn't dare argue with Dijana, not after she'd seen the fire in her eyes just moments ago. Half an hour later, both of her parents were gone, and Tiko was playing ball with his friends in the courtyard, as Kira watched from the hammock on the back porch. Her brother was laughing and yelling, chasing the frayed rope ball and kicking up many dust storms. How nice it would be to have just one more day of being free of worries or responsibilities. Little kids could do whatever they... Kira sat up in the hammock. What was it Tiko had said? The grown-ups would all be consumed with festival preparations so the kids could do whatever they wanted. It was true. Her parents were either going to work through the night or come home so exhausted that they just collapsed into bed. Kira could do whatever she wanted. So what did she want to do? That was easy. First, she wanted to help protect Zidu. Always. But second, she wanted to make sure her parents never had the kind of disagreement she had just witnessed. Watching her mother and father talk like that to each other had disturbed her in a way she was not willing to examine. It was too scary. The only way to do those two things was to learn the truth about the takers. She would have to go to Nafalu and see for herself. If they truly posed a threat, she could convince Paja to take action. She wouldn't be able to tell him she had been there, of course, but she would think of something. And if the stories about the takers were just rumors, as she more than half expected, then she wouldn't have to do anything. All this talk and worry would just blow right through like a warm summer breeze on the steppe. And her parents would never have to fight about fighting again. She needed to start building a story of her own. A story that would prove she could be a real storyteller. To do that, she would need to leave the cozy confines of Zidu alone and observe the takers. Her pulse raced at the thought, but in a good way. Her father had often told her, you'll know your first story idea when it comes to you. You'll feel it. She was definitely feeling this. The waterfall near the village of Nafalu was only an hour's walk from the secret exit tunnel on the east side of the crater. She could leave after everyone had fallen asleep, race over there, see what she needed to see, and be back in plenty of time to remain undiscovered. And she could finally be of real service to Zidu. After all, a good storyteller didn't just have to know how to weave tales. She also had to know where to find them. Kira's mind was made up. She would leave tonight